0: was going on, I was just, I don't know if it was the butterflies on my stomach or the Holy Spirit on my body, it, it just, it's, it's an amazing thing to have him here. Hey. <laughs> well, as you know, Pastor and Tracy are away today, and um, so for those of you who are joining us for the first time, just know that uh, if you don't like this performance, come again next week because there will be something totally different. <laughs> but I just want to say, um, you know, with the hurricanes and all that are taking place right now, praise God, we weren't affected directly, but our brothers and sisters in Christ are certainly being affected all along the Gulf Coast, and we just need to keep them in our prayers, but even more, we can tangibly help, and that's the second offering that Ed had mentioned um, up here this morning. So after this uh, sermon is over, we have a DVD that, that Pastor made that will tell you a little bit more about some of the, the need that has been um, come across as a result of these natural disasters, and our apostolic oversight team are stationed in Louisiana, and they were really, really affected by Gustav, and I'm sure that they want to reach out and to facilitate need that is taking place in Texas, so even though we're not there geographically, we can certainly do our part to help, and so I just want to encourage you as as the sermon's going on, just pray that the Holy Spirit put something in your heart as to what you can give tangibly, financially, to assist in that effort. Um, though we can't be there in person, we can certainly be there in finance. All right, I want to open with a, with a story that a lot of you have probably heard. So bear with me. If you've been with us for any length of time, I'm sure a pastor has told it and you've heard it. But it, it really says a lot about the message that I have for you today. But if you can picture, I want to set the stage for a minute. If you can picture a Thanksgiving feast at, a, at a, any house in America. And as the family gathers around the table, there's a young boy named Michael. And he sits at his chair. And this is, you know, he's six years old. He's experienced five Thanksgivings by now. And it's traditional at his household. Well, mom brings out a roast every year. And the ends are chopped off of the roast. And some of you already know, I know where he's going. But the roast comes out every year. And it's got the ends chopped off. And everybody prays and, and they eat. Well, this year... Michael says, you know, I'm really curious. I want to know, why is it that we cut the ends off of this roast? So little Michael says, Mommy, why is it that you cut the ends off the roast every year? And she looks at him, kind of caught off guard, and the whole family's sitting at the table, and everybody, he grabs all of their attention. And she says, well, you know, I don't know. It's just the way we've always done it. You might want to ask your grandma. Grandma's sitting at the table, and she just can't keep back her smile, And she knows what's coming. He says, Grandma, why is it that we cut the ends off of the roast every time we have a a roast? And she laughs and she says, Sweetheart, I'm really not sure. We might need to ask your great-grandma. Now, she's not at the table. She's at a nursing home. So they get on the phone and they call and great-grandma answers. And little Michael says, Hey, Grandma, sorry you can't be here, but I have a question for you. And... Michael says, "Great Grandma, how come we cut the roast, both ends off the roast, every year that we have a roast? And she laughs so loud that everyone at the table can hear it through the phone. And so they all laugh. And she says, Well, sweetheart, are they still doing that at your house? He says, Yeah, why do we do that? She said, Well, when your mama was growing up, I would always make a roast for Thanksgiving. And I didn't have a pan that was big enough to fit the whole roast. So I had to cut both ends off. ...in order for it to fit in the particular pan that I used to cook the roast. So that's the reason why. Well, he gets off and he explains to his mom and grandma why they do it. And all of a sudden there's a sense of silliness that comes over the table. And they feel like, wow, that's that's interesting. My message this morning I entitled, Identify Why. Now, God has called us as children of God to go out and preach the word, to make disciples. But he calls us little children... And as we are his children, I was praying and and really meditating on what it is about children that might be so appealing to him. And if you remember, now Jesus was left. um, One day, Mary and Joseph all went into town, and they did their shopping, what have you. And they they were leaving town and realized, oh, my goodness, where's little Jay? He's not here. So they go back into town. And they find him sitting in the synagogue teaching and asking questions. And he's just a boy. Well, I can imagine that a lot of his questions started with why. Why is it that you do this? Why is it that we do that? And he's called us to be as children in the faith. Now, I'm really excited about being able to teach this today because I wanted to pull... Now, now Pastor, is he, he knows so much more. He's, he may be um, such an eloquent speaker and, and have so much to offer. But I want to step back and get to the simplicity of our faith and ask the question, why be a Christian? What's the point? Why be a Christian? Well, if you've ever thought about some of the things people do just because that's the way we've always done it, then you'll find that there's not a lot of stability there. It's almost as though people aren't concerned with the why, but they're just satisfied with, well, that's the way I've always done it. Well, I want to break that today. I want us to ask why. I want us to answer why. We need to identify the why in our lives. Now, like I said, God wants us to be as children, and he, he wants us to ask questions and to be inquisitive. I don't think God's satisfied with the response, well, that's the way we've always done it. I think in Charleston, being that we're a very family-oriented and history-driven city, Churches are everywhere, and people go to church because, well, that's just what we've always done. In Legacy Cathedral, I want to break that stigma. I want to break religion over this family, if nothing more. And we can go out and do our part to change that in the world. Now, as we're called to minister God's Word, all too often I find that people, they don't know the why behind all the head knowledge. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. I have wonderful parents, Nita and Gary, and I was, I was raised by the Word. I was spoon-fed Everything that Jesus has done, and why He did it, and I understood it in my mind. But as a young man, I was living in the world. I was just doing the things that young guys do. Um, But I was packed chock full of knowledge, and I would minister to my friends, and I would explain to them that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. And I could regurgitate the the messages, and we'd lay out at night and look at the stars, and I talk about how. God created all of this just for us, you know. And I seemed holy because of my knowledge of Christ. But yet I was doing the same things, living the same life that they were living. There was nothing tangibly different about me. You go to the club, to the bar, and lo and behold, there's Noah right next to everyone else that's doing the things that Noah's preaching against in Jesus' name. But the fact is, there was a B.C. Noah before Christ, before I had the revelation of Christ, and I talked about this last time I spoke before you guys, that the foundation is to experience a personal personal relationship with Christ and, and encounter his love for ourselves and that we can build a life on that, a, life, a, a Christian life on top of that. Well, when I had the revelation of Christ and he changed my life, the AD aspect of my life, the after death, is so much better. And I liken it to a thrill ride. You know, oftentimes people go... Um, to Disney World, or they go to um, Six Flags or, and they experience this ride. Has anybody ever heard of Space Mountain? How many of you have been on Space Mountain? Okay, for those of you who have been on Space Mountain, you have an exhilarating story to tell. Now, for those of you who have heard about Space Mountain but have not experienced it, you could probably secondhand tell the same story that you re- received from those friends that have been on it, but the power's not there. And Christ wants us, as his children, to have a testimony, a faith-filled, experienced testimony that we have encountered him face-to-face. We have experienced him. And through that experience, we can go and take that to the world and really pour out some good stuff that causes a thirst. Those things that Christ speaks about, we can be light and salt in the earth. We can, we can cause darkness to flee and those to become hungry and thirsty for the things of Christ – Only, though, if we experience him for ourselves. Now, I think the the why behind most of these peoples, at least in my observation, is they just don't have a why behind Christ. Well, it's because we've always done it. And, well, and even I've asked some of my youth, why is it that you come to church? My mom brings me. Or... You know, there's, there's, there's answers, and I don't think that it varies much with a lot of adults, that you can ask certain people questions and say, why is it that you come? Why is it that you call yourself a Christian? Well, I was raised as a Christian, but why specifically are you a Christian? And that's what I want to get to today. Now, instead of riding the coattails of our parents and our pastors, our grandparents, or, or even our, our church at large... We need to make sure that we're experiencing and developing a personal relationship with Christ for ourselves. Because if we don't develop that relationship, then we're going to miss out this whole life that he's given us. Now, as if we need a reason to embrace the faith, I put together a couple answers to a simple yet complicated question. Why should I be a Christian? Uh, If you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 13. Verse 13. The first reason that I put down, why be a Christian. Now understand guys, I put these in chronological order, the best that I could. But first and foremost, which is the same message that I taught last time I was on the pulpit. is to experience the greatest of loves. To experience the greatest of loves. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. We need to understand, guys, that we are all family. As Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we experience for ourselves the love that Jesus Christ expressed on the cross, it becomes second nature to us to lay down our life for those around us. And understand that it it doesn't always mean to jump in front of a a bullet to save your brother or sister. Oftentimes it just means setting aside your own agenda or maybe your pride. Um, Maybe it's some finance. Maybe it's some time. There's all kinds of sacrifice that we can make, tangible sacrifice that is lost. It seems to be lost in American Christianity today. I think if we go to third world countries we find a lot more sacrifice being made. People walk for miles and miles on church, on Sunday for church. And, you know, as Christians, you know, if, if it's raining outside, that's not, we, you know, we won't jump in our climate-controlled vehicles sitting on our leather lazy boy in our in our car to drive here to get out and get a few drops. So there's a level of sacrifice that we've just lost. And I want us to, to get that to get that revelation, what it means to sacrifice. Um, In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says here that, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a mentality that so many of us don't get, and I think Ed said it well, when we look at our, our brothers and sisters, and we, we want them to do for us, you know, and that one boy said, well, okay, you be Jesus. That's just, human nature is, is that we want, we're consumers. We, we want you to do for us. Well, God forbid we do something good for someone who has done me wrong, or they're just wretched, I'm not going to be seen with them. I'm not going to do for them because they're, you know, they're sinners. I'm not, I can't be part of that. And it's a self-righteous attitude that we have developed through teaching and, and it, through just generations of the veil being pulled over our eyes. But we need to get the revelation that while we were still sinners, and, and if you can remember what Christ had to go through before he hung on that cross... We were not deserving of his sacrifice, of his love, but yet he still did it for us. That love is so powerful. And when he left, he left us the ability to love like that. And it comes through a revelation of him and his love. And we need to get that first and foremost before anything else. That should be the foundation that is laid in our lives before any other step of our Christian walk. Otherwise, that next step is going to be in the quicksand. You need to have a solid foundation of love and a revelation in your own. It can't be. That's not something that pastor can teach you. It's not something that I can teach you. It's a revelation that you're going to receive from God, your Father, who loved you so much that he gave his Son. And when you get that revelation, I guarantee that your life will change for the better. No doubt about it. Now, another reason why we should be a Christian is to experience freedom. Now, similar to knowing God's love, absolutely nothing compares to the freedom a child of God experiences when released from the heaviness of guilt and shame caused by sin. I think there's more than one person in this congregation today who is carrying a burden, unnecessarily carrying a burden of shame and guilt that was caused by some sin maybe that you have recently performed, or maybe it was decades ago. But that is not of God. He would not want to put a monkey on your back. He came, lived a life righteous, died a gruesome death, that you can be free from the sins that you've committed. Yes, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But it doesn't take, just like it said in Romans 5.8, that while we were still sinners, He died for us. Absolutely, He did. And the freedom that comes from that I know Ed mentioned Encounter Weekend. We offer an Encounter Weekend to really facilitate the steps. Now, there's no power in our Encounter Weekend other than the fact that God's Word is true, and we stick to His Word. But this encounter that Ed talked about, for those of you who are not familiar with it, offer an opportunity to experience God's love and to walk in freedom. And once that happens, all uh, then number three, four, five, and 6 come into play. Um, Romans... says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Understand, these principles are not just principles, they're laws. And when God speaks of a law, it's as real as gravity the law of gravity is such that if you don't believe it it really doesn't matter if i step off this platform i'm going to fall whether i believe it or not and these laws that are spoken of here are just as real it says for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death those two laws are real they're it's black and white either you can operate in the law of christ jesus which has set us free from the law of sin and death Sin and death will suck you. I mean, you'll go to hell. That's all there is to it. And you'll live hell on your way there. Where on the opposite end, in Christ Jesus, it's not the easiest life. I'm not going to tell you you're going to be full of happiness all the time, but joy, absolutely. It's a tough life, but that law applies. As we embrace that, that law sets us free from guilt. Um, not only do we experience freedom from Uh, through forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin's power over us, we also begin to learn to forgive others. This is critical. As we let go of anger, bitterness, resentment, the chains that have held us captive for so long, they're broken. Through our own acts of forgiveness. To understand this is great. And, And you'll receive great inner peace from the understanding. But to experience true forgiveness... And true freedom, you operate under forgiveness. And you forgive those as Christ forgave you. Simply put, John expresses it this way. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. If the Son sets you free, not if Pastor Baird sets you free, not if Pastor Noah sets you free, not if AA sets you free. None of that, all of that, where it has its place, and that's great, it facilitates the moving of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit needs to do this work. But you have to have this foundational revelation in order to even receive that. Now, the third why that I I put down here is to experience lasting joy, peace, and hope. Operative word there is lasting. Now, the world offers fun sin. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. There's a lot of fun in sin. You can go out there and woohoo, squander your life away in just a minute, but man, how fun it was. But it doesn't last. The fun of the world doesn't last an eternity. Though it might last weeks, months, years, even decades, there comes a point when the joy of the Lord is the only thing that will sustain you. You will end up empty if you fall into that rat race, as I like to put it. But the freedom we experience in Christ gives birth to the lasting joy, peace, and hope that surpasses all understanding. Um... 1 Peter, I don't even know if I put this on the screen, um, verses, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, I'll read it out of my." This is some good stuff right here. I think for, for me, um, as, a, as a young Christian, while my maturity level was still building up and as it still is, when I read something like this it, it set me back and it was really hard to put my mind, to wrap my mind around this but now that I'm, I'm getting the revelation through a lot of this and even through this, the study that I've been doing this past couple weeks um, this is just really solidified in my heart but it says whom having not seen you love though now you did not see him we're talking about God yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When we can experience love through Christ and then step up to freedom and then get joy and peace, all of a sudden, all of these miracles taking place because it's inner miracles that no man can perform, there starts to come a faith That bubbles up and arises inside of you that even though you don't see God, it's oftentimes, I I liken it to seeing trees blow in the wind. Though you don't see the wind, you know it's there because you see the effects of the wind. And in our spirit and in my life, I oftentimes, even amidst trials, even amidst tribulation, there, there can be a peace and a joy. Now, it is a decision we have to make in our own life. But because of the understanding of Christ and who he is and all that we've experienced up to this point, we can truly say that, wow, there is power in the Holy Spirit. If I can just lean on him, though I can't see you and though it feels like I'm just sitting here talking to the air, and if somebody, an atheist walked by and said, oh, gosh, this guy's just whack. But we know in our spirit we're talking to God, and we can experience that peace when Jesus was on the water with his disciples, and the waves are crashing, and a, a lot of you know the story, most of you probably do, where it was just chaos, and I mean, he, they were in the midst of Hurricane Ike out there in the Gulf on this little dinghy, and Jesus is chilling out on the bow of the boat. The scripture says he's sleeping. I think he was just testing his disciples to see, all right, what are they going to do? Well, they freaked out. They said, we're going to die. Rabbi, wake up. Do something, because we're, we're going to die here, and he wakes up, and he's a little upset, um, and gets on them and says, how dare you? What you, I'm in the boat with you. If I'm in the boat, I'm not going to let you guys die. In fact, peace, be still. The water's calm. The, I mean, Hurricane Ike dissipates. And they're just like, wow. Well, we can experience that power. Jesus Christ wants us to experience that power. When our lives are in turmoil and there's turbulence and the waves are lapping over the front of the boat and we feel like we're, we're destined to drown, be it in financial trouble, maybe it's a, a relationship gone bad, maybe we've been um, given a report of our health deteriori- deteriorating to such a degree that we face certain death, and all these things that would cause the human person to react. Christ said, I am Lord over all of that. I am in your boat. Just chill. Just take it easy. And, he'll, and he gives that to us. Along, I mean, that's that peace. When he says, Peace, be still. He was proclaiming that. It was not a, hopefully this works. It was, this is, this is how it works. Well, when we experience God's love and forgiveness, He becomes the center of our joy. And it doesn't seem possible, even in the midst of great trials, that that hope, that faith bubbles up deep inside of us. But that faith was planted through the love and through the freedom and once we've experienced all that, there's a faith that says, I can move mountains. If I just sit in this and I, I can really, I can move with this. And that's what gives us power to do it. I have seen so many instances, so many lives changed. I haven't been a Christian for that long. And I have experienced more in my short five-year term as a Christian. Now, though I was raised a Christian, and I've experienced Christ for myself. And I've seen lives rearranged, messed, I mean, just like Jesus came and messed up their hair, you know. It's like, okay, that's what I wanted. And, I mean, their, their whole lives just are different. And I've seen people walk away from the faith and say, you know what, I, I've experienced it, I've tasted it, but I, I want this. Well, lo and behold, they come back with their tail between their legs. Because there's a power in Christ Jesus that you can't get away from once you experience it because it's real. It's the only real thing we're ever going to experience in this world. And from that, I believe that just like in our natural life to develop relationships and experience true connections with people, we need to have first a love. We need to feel comfortable around these people. There has to be shared interests. But then comes a relationship. And I think this this is the turning point for us as Christians is to to learn about the relationship. What does it mean to have relationship for Christ? So number four reason to be a Christian is to experience a relationship with the Savior that died on the cross for you. It's not a myth. It's not a comic book character that you can only read about. He is a real person who has sent the Holy Ghost, who is also a person, to allow you to commune with the Father, God, the Creator of the universe, through a relationship, he knows you have a personality. Everybody doesn't have to pray like everyone else. When you are riding in your car, you can be like, Alright, God, I got an issue coming up. I'm not I'm feeling anxious. And your word says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things through prayer and stuff like I'm praying right lord you're hearing me right and you can just talk to him it doesn't have to be like okay i've got to pull off the side of the road get out and put my little prayer pillow down and <sighs> our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy he does he's not he wants a relationship he's like guys come on and i told this to the youth and i think it was really impactful at least it was for me um that i have a i have a good friend named jason and i can call him at any time any day and I don't even have to say hello. He knows it's me. He sees the caller ID. He knows that it's Noah. If he's not on his phone and he just answers, I could just, and he'll, you know, just back and forth. We just, we have that friendship. For those of you who didn't see that commercial, you had to be there. But I could just, he hears my voice and instantly he knows it's Noah. But there are friends or acquaintances that I could call back from high school or elementary school that I could say, hey, John, this is Noah. How's it going? Who's this? Noah Pruitt. Who? And there's no, there's no, but I can call him my friend. Oh, yeah, that's my friend John. Yeah, we go way back. You know, I knew him in middle school, elementary school. And, yeah, we're tight. We're like, you know, but he doesn't even recognize my voice. He hears my name. He doesn't know who I am. Our relationship with God is not much different. Jesus Christ has called us to be his children and to have a relationship with him. I don't know how many parents we have in this room, but now that I'm a parent, I could not bear the thought of my child, little Isabella, wanting nothing to do with me. Or if I walk in the room and put on my arms and say, come here, baby, she'd just walk away and go and be with her friends doing what she wants to do. It would break my heart. And I know that the father wants a relationship with us just like I want a relationship with my daughter. When she calls me, we we should not be estranged. It should be so tight-knit that I can communicate with her and she doesn't even need to speak to me in times. Just sit at my feet and I'll know. And I can hold her. And if she cries, she doesn't have to say a word. I can just comfort her. And God is the same way. He, we don't always need to go to him with a bunch of words. He knows everything. So for you to go to him and be like, okay, God, I'm having a situation. Um, he's not, you know, it's not like he's like, oh, fill me in because I was unaware. <laughs> he knows. He knows what's going to be the outcome. But what he knows more than anything is that he wants you at his feet to say, God, I just want to be there, you know. I I I don't know if I said this last time, so forgive me if I did. But I picture this giant foot with I mean m- massive toes, and I just like tuck in between his toes, and I'm safe there. And I just I, there's there's nothing but peace there, nothing but safety. And so that relationship only comes from, and again, it's chronological. You experience his love, you get freedom, you get joy, peace. Um, hope, all of that comes. And then you can have that relationship because there's the confidence built up. There's all these things that, that take place. And then, even with my friend Jason, as I talk to him, if I'm messing up, he can tell me, hey man, I know you better than that. You know, if I go to apply for a job as like an optometrist, and forgive me if there's an optometrist in this room, he's going to be like, dude, what are you doing? You have no business in there. You're you need to be outside. You need you know you can't. What are you talking about? No, my friend could say that to me, and I'd be like, you know what? You're probably right. He knows my purpose, even though he's just a friend. Well, God knows my purpose that much more. And when I go to Him in any decision that I'm making, be it a job, a relationship, where I'm to sow my finance, whatever it is, I can go to Him and say, God, is this is this right? And He'll He'll tell you. In fact, in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 10, it says, I know we have it up here somewhere. Did we get that on there? Well, I'm going to read it. In chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, God has prepared beforehand works for you as you live in Him. Now, we are created by God. I think we can all agree with that. But we're also created for God. He created us to serve a purpose. He's descriptive in His Word, and I'm not going to get into all the Scripture, about how we are all to function as individual parts of the big picture, individual parts of the body at large. Some are fingers. Some are toes. I may be a cuticle, but hey, cuticles have a purpose. But the fact is, he he has a function for each and every one of us, and he's prepared tasks in advance for you to walk into. So he's already designed you to fulfill certain tasks. It's just a matter of how close to him are you going to allow yourself to be, so you can hear him say, "Do this thing, do this thing. No, don't do that thing. Stay." And he will guide us right into where his purpose is for us. He's prepared it in advance. I think more than anything, we're created for worship of our Father. He is a jealous God. Um, Our God is really quite selfish. And though it's kind of always caught me off guard, it's like, why, why would he call us to be so selfless? And yet he's... But anyway, the fact is he wants all of our attention. He wants all the glory for every single thing that takes place that is good. He wants to receive all the glory. He wants us to worship him. In fact, there's angels that sit at his feet in heaven all day, every single day. And all they say is glory. Holy. I'm sorry. Holy. Holy. You are so holy. I mean, they're, and I don't think they're speaking English. I think we've interpreted that. I don't know what it sounds like, but the heart is holy. I mean, you are so holy. Just, in, I mean, there's no other word. I believe that's where tongues comes in as a as a full gospel believer, that there's certain things we can't describe. There's an indescribable, inexpressible joy that comes that it just bubbles up out of us as shabba-dabba-ding-dong, as Pastor would say. But the fact is, we ju- there's no words to express. And oftentimes, I find myself tongue-tied because I'm limited to vocabulary to express God. I mean, really, that's not even fair. But um, another important aspect... This is The deepest cry of our hearts is to know and worship God. As we develop our relationship with God, he transforms us through his Holy Spirit. That's a revelation that it, it takes. You've got to have experienced all these steps in order to get to this point because when things like this come up in your, in your spiritual walk, it takes divine revelation to understand what it means to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. That almost sounds like a sci-fi thing, but the fact is it's real. And it says here, That he's created us to be a, a certain person. As we are changed through his word, we begin to exercise and develop the gifts that he's placed within us. And it's all through his word. It's so important, guys. He's left us. This is how he communicates to us oftentimes. And he's left us this so that we can learn more about who we are. Not just about who he is. But learn more about who we are that we might walk in the purpose and function that he's created us for. There's no earthly accomplishment that that compares to this experience. And then last but not least, number six, and this is where most people that I ask, why should you be a Christian? They start here. To experience eternity with God. So I'll go to heaven. And I think, wow. And originally I think I, I landed there as well. But when you learn that this life before you die can have all of those wonderful traits we just talked about. Why would you settle for when I die I can go to heaven? I wouldn't want to live. I mean, i just say go ahead and take me now because the rest of it is unnecessary. But the fact is we can walk in all those wonderful things and have a victorious life and serve the purpose that we're called to, which is winning souls and making disciples. After we've experienced that, that love, that joy, the peace, the freedom, the relationship, after we've gotten all of those under our belt, that's like us just coming off of Space Mountain. I mean, our eyes are bugging. I mean, we, we're called Jesus freaks, I think, for this reason. But you walk up to somebody you're like, man, you've got to experience God, man. And they're like, whoa, chill out, dude. But once they get on the ride, I can guarantee you that they're going to have to find somebody. I need to tell somebody about this. My life is totally different. I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful daughter, Six years ago, I was a bachelor. Oh, we won't get into the details. It wasn't pretty. But Christ transformed my life. And because he did, I radiate joy and peace. And he said, okay, I can work with that. And then from that, he, he's just led me right into the function that he had for me. Right into the purpose that he's had for me. And somehow, he's landed me up here. and I don't know why. But to experience eternity with God... I wrote here family feud because if you polled a, a, a hundred people, number one answer would be ding 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 to go to heaven. That's that's not a good answer for why be a Christian. It's the last that's like that's a gift. In fact, it even says that in Romans six twenty three, which we didn't put up there, but it says that eternity with God is simply a gift for his for believers. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse eleven. Let's open up here. My heading on this particular section is the God-given task. But verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has put eternity in the hearts, in their hearts. That's our hearts. Except that no one can find out work that God does from beginning to end he's put eternity in our hearts, is the key phrase there. Every person has eternity in their hearts. I don't care whether you're atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim, whatever the the religion or belief, eternity abides in every single person. Some would say, oh, I don't believe in God, but I believe we come back as a butterfly, or a rock, or whatever. Because Eternity, we can't accept the fact that it ends after this life because our spirit is so, it's not going to end. And eternity is set in our hearts by God, as is all of His Word. I believe every word that is written in His, every, let me say it this way, every spirit that is in this book is put in our heart. It might not be written in English, and oftentimes we don't know what to say, but the truth that is written in here is embedded in each and every one of our hearts from birth. Whether we accept it or not, it's there. Now, The inner longing, I think, that that people have always experienced. And it always amazes me. You can go to an aborigine tribe or to even the bush and, and find people worshiping a god. And it's amazing when Westerners come or when Christians come and bring the truth. Man, they just eat it up. They're like, finally, somebody brought us the truth. We knew we were supposed to be doing something. We've been warming up for this. But now that you're here and you showed us the truth... Praise God, yes, I I accept. And I think we as as Americans are so flooded with religion that we don't accept it as readily. But we need to, guys. Eternity with God is really as as cool as it's going to be. He's designed us on planet Earth to function here now in all of these things. And as we function in these things, then we can experience him. And it's just like that person coming off that thrill ride. And I, I just pray that each and every person in here get off the coattails of whatever. I mean, if you're coming to church on Sundays just to, to experience religion, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You need to ask yourself, why am I even here if that's the, if that's the case? But um, in closing, I wanted to, to ask ourselves whether our relationship with God really exists. Now, I mean that for each one of you individually. If you, does your personal relationship with God really exist? Do you really have a personal relationship with God? Or are you relying on mom and dad, your brother or your sister, your pastor or your friend, for your religious experience? If that's the case, I want to encourage you right now to really analyze that. Because God, your father, your friend... He's in this room, and He knows each and every one of your hearts, and all He wants from you more than anything is a relationship, a personal relationship that He can look at you and say, "This is my son. This is my daughter." Praise God! I know everything that's on their heart. No, they're not perfect, but I made them, and they're perfect to Me. And anybody got a problem with that? They got to answer to Me. That's the shelter we have. It's like Guido. You know, when you have God in your sideband, you, nobody can nobody can stop you. So, I just wanted to, to really use today. I was, you know, when Pastor said that he was leaving and he was going to allow me to address the congregation again, I can tell you I came up with so many different sermons and illustrations and skits. And if you were here last time, we set up a construction site on stage and I busted out the skill saw. I mean, but the Lord told me that you need to get back to the heart the simplicity. Talk to them as children. They are my children. And he put it in my heart to address the fact that if your relationship with him is not right, then you're just doing religion and you need to get right. I want to take this opportunity and in fact if you can run quiet times in the back. I wanted to take this opportunity to invite those of you who may have experienced in fact everyone just stand with me for a minute i want to take this opportunity to invite you if you if you found yourself experiencing religion or just like i said riding the coattails of someone else you can come forward and god honors god honors the courage that it takes the sacrifice that it takes to know that oh my gosh everyone is watching me and i'm going to walk up front he honors that that sacrifice of your pride, the expression of humility, I want to encourage you to just come forward and before the Father, pour out your heart. Ask Him to to become real to you in a personal way. So I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart and to solidify that relationship. Jesus Christ doesn't want He doesn't want posers. He wants family. He wants brothers and sisters to come together in Him. Now if today is your day that God's just tugging on your heartstrings and saying go forward and proclaim me as your lord and savior and best friend of all on the count of 3 I just want to I want to offer that opportunity for you to come forward and come to the crosses up here we refer to these as the altars and even though these wooden crosses are simply symbols they represent the love that Christ has for us and that this is where he died. He he willingly crawled up on the cross to give his life for a personal relationship for each and every one of you. And He wants nothing less than for you to live all out for him. He's not satisfied with this is just how I've always done it. so on the count of three, I want you to just come forward and for some it's going to be renewing your faith. For others, it's going to be a first time journey to the altars to give your life to Christ. One. Two. Three. I'll just come on down. For those of you who are wanting to pour your heart out, for it, Lord. We've got a couple of guys coming right now. Praise God. In Jesus' name, I just praise you, Father. Lord, you're in this house today. Lord, I just pray that you move on the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And some of you, if you just pray in the spirit, I just feel the Holy Spirit in this room just stirring up like a big pot of gumbo. Just wanting to to work out some things in the hearts of his children. It's just... Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we lift up your name. We thank you for the comfort that you offer us as your children. And God, we see you smiling right now in the hearts of your people we embrace you, Lord. We love you, Father. Father, I just ask that you would instill simplicity in the hearts of your people to get back to that childlike faith. That faith that's not afraid to ask questions. That that faith that's enthused by your glory and that looks at Your creation and marvels as a child with a ladybug on their fingertip, just stares in awe. Lord, I just pray that we can get back to that. And Lord, that all these years of hardness that have developed can be shed away. Now, Father, our hearts can be softened and we can learn to love like you love, Father. I just shed that to others. Lord, that there be a realness come back to the church and that the superficial religion be broken off of the lives of each and every person in this room and all of their families as well. We want to get back to the true heart of worshiping you, Lord. What it means to, to just lay at your feet and weep. Thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives. You're an awesome God. And it's in the name of my Lord and Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ, that I come before you. And all the people said, Amen. Thank you. Father God. Praise God. Now, as... As everyone makes their way back to the seats, uh, Pastor has prepared a DVD that will give us a little bit more information regarding um, the need, and uh, without further ado, guys, if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and run that. I know I caught you a little off guard. Amen. So as you're taking this moment, um, ushers, I'd like to call you forward. I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in this, and keeping in mind that you're doing this as unto the Lord. It's going to greatly help your brothers and sisters in Christ out in the Gulf Coast. And um, just think of the impact we can have if God can take this money and multiply it, when God takes this money and multiplies it. It's an amazing thing that he can do. So I just pray that you be faithful go above and beyond what you could even think you can do. And he'll multiply that. So you guys are released. All right, before we release everyone, I want, to, um, I want to take a third offering for our guest speaker today. No, no, I'm just kidding. Somehow I knew that was going to get a laugh. Uh, if everyone would just stand with me, I want to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just lift up this day and thank you so much for the opportunity to minister, God, your your word to your people. Father, I just pray that the seeds that were planted today, Lord, that you would water them and and they would just produce much fruit in the earth. Lord, for your glory, that you receive all the glory for today. And Lord, I just lift up um, each family as we go our ways. um, And for those that represent families that may be affected by the hurricane, Lord, I just pray a peace over them, Lord, that there be a comfort to know that, that you are going to come in now. You use these, these disasters. As your word says, you use all things to work together for good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Lord, we know there's many that are called and that many that love you in that Gulf Coast. So we just pray right now that, that we, as your people, take advantage of this opportunity to just give you all the glory that miracles just spring forth from this incident. And, Lord, that we can take that same spirit Spread it along the southeastern seaboard, Lord, that we can hear, make an influence in Charleston, Lord, for your glory. Because, Father, when it comes down to it, it's not about church. It's about serving you, having a relationship with you, freeing people from bondage, going out and, and simply offering your, your, your salvation. Lord, a free ticket to heaven, a free ticket to a wonderful life here on earth while we're here. So, Father, I just pray that this has power in your name in these people. And as we're dismissed today, I just pray that you would um, send traveling mercies with, with Pastor and Tracy as they're on their travels, but also with our congregation as they're traveling home and, and to lunch. We'll release so we can beat the, the other churches to s and In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.